You're listening to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. Welcome to the Living a Life Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Bishop. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. I'm glad you're hanging out with us because each week I invite a guest onto the show to talk about a topic that is meant to be a catalyst for growth in our lives, to spark ideas, get unstuck, and gain new insights that compel us to action as we journey together to playful out and live fully into who we were created to be. As always, thanks for rating this podcast and for sharing it with others. Today's episode is actually part two of a two-part series where I have a conversation with Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth about the newly released, updated, and expanded book, Lies Women Believe in the Truth That Sets Them Free. Now, if you haven't listened to the first part of this conversation, which is the episode prior to the one you're listening to now, I highly recommend that you listen to that one first, because as we jump into part two of the conversation in this podcast episode, it might seem a little janky and disjointed. So pop back, listen to part one of the conversation, and then you can jump in on this one as we continue the conversation about the lies we believe in our lives and what it means to be in spiritual bondage, the strategy of deception, and then how do we move from captivity to freedom? A little bit more about Nancy is Nancy is the founder of Revive Our Hearts Ministry and the True Woman Movement. She has two nationally syndicated radio programs, Revive Our Hearts and Seeking Him. She's authored 19 books, including Lies Women Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free, as well as Seeking Him and her recent book, Adorned, Living Out the Beauty of the Gospel Together. Nancy and her husband, Robert, live in Michigan. So here is part two of my conversation with Nancy. Well, the other thing that you talk about in your book, and you've, you've talked a, a little bit about, is this progression from deception to spiritual bondage. And you talk about the progression being, first, we listen to a lie. Kind of like you were Which talking. Which was Eve's first mistake. Eve, Eve's first mistake. Oh. She should have been like, peace out, serpent, ciao, yep. see you later. Yep. But yep. first we listen to it. Like, and we, we, then we dwell on it in our minds and kind of let it, you know, gain Take a little roots. bit of a stronghold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. then we start believing the lie and then we act on the lie. So first we listen to it rather than being able to discern and say, you know what, that's not true. I am not going to listen to it. Then we dwell on it and marinate, and then we start believing it. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves acting on it. Talk a little bit more about that. Well, actions, thoughts ultimately end up becoming actions and actions end up becoming habits. Um, And so the danger is that we would, um, if we don't get these lies at their root, what we're thinking about. That's why Paul talks in Corinthians about taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so when we have, you know, if I find myself, you know, flying off the handle or being impatient or being angry or, um, you know, shrieking, you know, women saying, I, I never was an angry woman until I had these, um, you know, these three preschool kids who were pushing all my buttons or three teenage kids or three grown-up kids who were pushing all my buttons, you know? Um, well, the fact is those actions are outbursts. There's, we're believing things that aren't true. And so that's why we need to identify what have I been believing? What have I been thinking? Is it true? And, and how have my, how are my actions and my responses rooted 
in things that aren't true. And you're right. It's it, the danger here is that we just like kind of drift mindlessly yeah. through life. We're not thinking, we're not being intentional. Um, and this can sound like a hard way to live, but I'm gonna tell you the harder way to live is with the consequences of just drifting. And th- then we end up in a heap of trouble and we say, how in the world did I get here? Right. Well, we got here because we weren't intentional about reining in those thoughts and bringing them into captivity to Christ. Yeah. And being able to discern. Well, let's, let's jump into some of the lies. And as you said, you have 45, which is not an exhaustive list, and we're not going to be able to get to all 45 today. Uh, one of the first lies that you address in your book, Nancy, is uh, the lies are the lies that we believe about God, which are foundational, as you say. And, and you quote A.W. Tozer, which is one of my favorite quotes that mm-hmm. says, what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so, I think uh, yeah. starting with that, I mean, everything really does. All the lies that we believe are a result of not believing what is true about God. So some of the things you talk about in your book <clears throat> are lies about God. God is not really good. He's not really enough. And God should fix my problems are just a, a few that you highlight. But talk a little bit about the lies that we believe about God. Yeah, what we believe about God, Lisa, determines everything else about us. And we may think, oh, I grew up in church, or I know a lot about God. I Certainly, I'm not believing lies about God, but we do believe lies about God. I was just this morning in my quiet time reading the book of Ruth, and it was a great reminder of how important what it is to identify what we think about God. And here's this woman, Naomi, who, you know, a famine comes to her land, and her husband and sons and she go to the land of Moab and uh, there her husband dies, her two sons who by this time have married, they both die. And this woman is left destitute in that day, not to have a husband or sons to provide for you. There was no hope uh, for you to survive. And so this woman starts to believe things about God that are not true. And she, um, she doesn't know this. She doesn't trust that God is writing a story in her life. She doesn't trust that he knows what he's doing. She knows that there is a God. So no, Naomi now is faith. She has this crisis of faith because she has become convinced that there are things about God that in fact aren't true, but she believes they are true. So in chapter uh, one, verse 13, she says, the Lord's hand has turned against me. Verse 20, she says, the almighty has made me very bitter. Verse 21, the Lord has brought me back empty. The Lord has opposed me. The almighty has afflicted me. Well, she's, she's got these desperate, difficult circumstances, but she mistakenly assumes that God is against her. Hmm that God has opposed her, that God doesn't love her, that God doesn't have her best interests at heart. And it's interesting, as you get into the book of Ruth, here's Naomi, the Israelite woman who had all this background, who was supposed to know all about Jehovah and who he was and all his goodness to his people, his faithfulness. Um, And she's got this wrong view of God. And here comes her daughter-in-law, Ruth, who is a Moabitess. She She grew up in an idolatrous culture. She didn't know anything about the God of the Bible. Um, but she has this very simple trust in God, the God of the Israelites. She doesn't know much about him, but as the story unfolds, we find out that she has come to take refuge under the God of Israel, under his wings. She's found him to be a rewarder and a refuge. Her view of God is totally different. And God uses this whole story and all the affliction and all the pain and the um, 
problems and the challenges in Naomi's life, God is writing a story. And part of what God is doing is trying to change Naomi's view of God, to use the pain, use the problems to help give her a new view of God and to see that he does love her. He is intervening in her life. He is going to provide for her. He is going to protect her. He has a story he's writing. And in fact, out of her pain and her, her plight is going to come the Messiah, Christ himself. That this is a story where not only she will be redeemed out of her troubles, but the whole world will experience redemption. Well, all of this goes back to, am I believing things in my pain about God that are not true? Or am I letting my pain push me to, to toward him, to lean into him and to find out the truth about him in ways that I might otherwise have experienced? And so we, we look at what we're going through and we think, you know, I, I know in my head that God loves me, but I don't feel that God really loves me because if he did... Mm. He would or he wouldn't have fill in the blank. Um, Or I know in my head, I know in my theology that God is enough because I'm supposed to believe that. Right, right. I've been a Christian 20 years or 40 years or 60 years or whatever, (laughs) but I, I just don't feel that he is enough. Yeah, I need him, but I need him plus a husband or a child. Um, you know, the, the pain of women um, longing to have children and, and not able to, to conceive. And, and, and if I just could have this in addition to God, then I would be okay. I would be really happy. Well, at the root here, we're believing things about God that aren't true. There's this um, sense that is in many people's hearts today that God's ways are too restrictive, Mm. you know, that God's view of sexuality, God's view of um, relationships, that these things are, they just don't, they're not, they don't, they're outdated. Mm. They don't fit today. But, you know, when you get, we added a whole chapter in this book on sexuality because it's such a huge issue for women today and in our culture. And um, there's this sense that in the church, even that God's view of sexuality is it just doesn't work today. Mm. It's if we even know what it is, um, that it's just, you you can't live that way today. Um, that I have to have an outlet for my sexual desire or that God's standards for sex are out of date. And so we go and we do it our own way because we're believing things about God and his word and his ways that aren't true. And uh, God's purpose, God's intent in all of this is to bless us, to give us joy, to bring us to peace. Um, and if we reject his ways, we do so at our own peril. And that's the truth that we need to counsel our hearts with. Right. And that we don't see the whole picture. I mean, there are things exactly. in my life where I thought, well, God, if you were good, you would have made this happen. And, and then I, years later, I'm like, oh man, I see. Now I see. So we have such a limited perspective. But to your point, what is our foundational belief and and retraining our minds and brains with truth. You know what? God is good even in the midst of this difficult circumstance. And God's goodness is not dependent on whether or not my life is easy or hard or whatever the case may be. That we tend to measure God's goodness based on how good I think my life is. And that is not, that is not, those things do not equate. Exactly. And you're, and you're so right, Lisa, about getting the big picture, the long picture. We just see this moment Uh, We see a little bitty point on the whole 
eternal line of time. And I saw that again this morning in the book of Ruth. I've read and studied and taught that book many times, but it was fresh to me this morning that God was writing a bigger story, a grand and great story, not just for Ruth and her uh, and Naomi and their family, but for the whole world, for us. Mm. Um, that the, the story that Naomi was walking through, it was so we could have a savior, so we could walk in truth, so we could know Jesus. And if we forget this, we start to think, and this is another lie that we address later in this book, that it's all about me and my story. And so if I'm having problems and pressures and pain and um, things perturbing me, to add another P there, right. <laughs> um, that, that it, you know, I can't endure this. I can't take this. Well, we forget that, one, it's not all about me. It's not even primarily about me. It's not that God doesn't care about me. He does. But God is writing a bigger story and a longer-term story. And if Naomi could have only seen in her pain and her bitterness that God did love her and God was writing a story that was going to bring joy to her and joy to the world um, through Boaz, the Redeemer, and then Christ, the ultimate Redeemer. Um, She could have uh, waited and not been in such a hurry to see everything fixed now, Mm -hmm. Um, but to say, look, you know, I can't see what God's doing, but I know he's writing this story, and I know that in the end it will be good. Right. I know that the best is yet to come. This is what happens. We have to start counseling our heart according to truth. When everything in us is screaming, this is not working. I'm going to die. This is going to take me under. I can't take any more of this. And we do have moments when we feel that. And we, we can tell the Lord that, but then we've got to come back and say, but here's what I know. Hmm. God is faithful. Yeah. He's never failed to meet my needs in the past. And he's not going to stop now. He, I'm not going to be the first person in the history of the world who found out that God isn't faithful. Mm. It's not true. And so I start telling myself the truth. God is faithful. God does care. God is writing a story. God is He's going to get the last word. He will right every wrong. I don't have to take vengeance. I can wait on the Lord and trust him to do what is right. He will, all those wrongs, every injustice that needs to be righted, he will do that someday. I don't have to take all this into my own hands, figure this out, make all this, you know, manipulate or fix my circumstances to set it all right. God is doing that. And in his time, I will look back and I will one day say, you know, God, you did it right. Mm. Everything you did, everything you chose for my life, if I had known then what I know now, I would choose the very same things for my life. And that's one day what we're going to say. Right. Amen to that. Well, in the handful of minutes we have left moving from captivity to freedom in some of these lies that we believe, you suggest three steps that we identify the areas of spiritual bondage, which we may not be aware of. So we need to ask God, hey, God, like what are lies that I'm believing that I'm not even aware of? And then identify the lies at the root of the bondage or sin pattern and then replace the lies with truth. Those are some of the things that we have been talking about. And then at the at the very end of your book, you list 21 truths for women to meditate on until they transform the way we think, which I think is a super critical piece there is that we can't just read truth and think that it's going to 
ta-da, you know, automatically kind of permeate, but we have to meditate, marinate, marinate repeatedly, meditate on these yes, truths yes. until they transform the way we think. I mean, there's even scientific evidence neural pathways in our brain. If our brain and these neural pathways are such that we have been leaving, been believing a lie for so long, like we have to, yes. we have to, again, hold our thoughts captive to Christ, be transformed uh, by our minds, but spend enough time that we do create these new ways of thinking through God's word. And you, you discuss a few of them that I just want to spend a handful of minutes on, but one of the truths that you encourage women to meditate on is God loves me and wants me to have his best, which we just talked about a little bit, but we, one of the biggest lies we believe is, you know, God doesn't really want the best. He's a killjoy. He's restrictive. Yes. And rather than seeing God, oh, loving father who made the ultimate sacrifice of his son for me and us and our sins, a loving God wants the best for us, but the best may not be our interpretation. So really meditating and bringing ourselves back to God does love me and wants the best in this circumstance may not have been what I've chosen, but I trust you, God, that you do want those best things for me. Yeah. And this is marinate is a great word used, Lisa. It's, it's like sit and soak in this. Let it seep into your pores. You know, if you marinate a chicken breast, you're going to let it, (laughs) it's going to soak the the juices, the flavors, the herbs, they're going to soak into the chicken until the chicken is flavored with that marinade. And we need to take these truths because the world's lies have so, we marinate in those a lot, more than we realize. We're, the world is like an, to change the metaphors, like an IV being pumped Mm. into our, our system day in and day out. And so we need to get the word of God to be like that new IV pumping truth into our hearts and sit and let this get infused into you. So stop and think about this. God loves me. Hmm. God loves me. God loves me. Nobody else may. My parents may not have. My husband may have just told me. Um, A woman may be thinking, you know, my husband may have just said, I don't love you and I don't want to be married to you anymore. Or my children may be telling me, I hate your guts, but God loves me. And God wants me to have his best. Now start just filtering everything you're experiencing through that truth and letting the truth control rather than the circumstances or the lies. And so, um, you know, that's just one. And there are 21 here and there are 2,100 more um, in Scripture um, that God is good. God really is good. And everything God does is good. The world tells us that God is not good, that God is not only a killjoy, but that God is responsible for the pain and the trouble and the terrorism and the, uh, and the war in this world and injustice and racism. Um, and that we, you know, God's messed up this world and we need to, um, you know, find our own way out of it. Um, just recently there was, you know, the death of Stephen Hawking, who just throughout his life never could get to the point where he believed that there really is a good God. What a tragedy is that? And what a tragedy is for us that we may not be, you know, professing atheists. A lot of us are living as if we were atheists, atheists, practical atheists, um, because we account for our lives apart from God. So I challenge women, take these truths. God is enough. God can be trusted. God doesn't make any mistakes. My past does not have to plague me. Um, 
I will reap whatever I sow. The pathway to true joy is to relinquish control, et cetera, et cetera. And to take these truths and the scriptures that go with them and meditate on them. Let them recalibrate your heart. Let them recalibrate your thinking and keep going back to them when the world and, and your circumstances threaten to pull you into this, um, you know, to capsize you. Sometimes I tell you, my, our emotions are such, they're, they're crazy things. They're God, they're, they're, they're a blessing, but if we let them control our lives, we're going to, we're in quicksand. We're, we're going to go under at times. And there are times when, you know, the word of God and these truths, they're like a life preserver. And I grab onto them and I say, heart, soul, self, this is what's true. Yes. You got to believe this. I kind of have to like take myself by the nape of the neck and say, um, look, you're believing things that aren't true. You've got to counsel your heart according to the truth of God's word. And as I do, gradually, day by day, circumstance by circumstance, I find that the truth sets me free. Hmm. doesn't mean I won't have more pain or more problems. I will. I can, I can guarantee that. Um, but I, again, I'm going back to Ruth and Naomi in that story. As I was just pondering this today, I realized that God, the very circumstances that Naomi thought were God turning against her were actually God turning toward her and wanting to bless her and give her a future and a hope and a legacy and a, and an inheritance. And a, um, he wanted to bless her with these things. And he used the problems and the pain to bring her, to manifest himself to her, to make himself known to her and to bring her to a place of great joy and fulfillment and freedom. So God was being good to her in all of this. It wasn't the way she would have scripted it. It wasn't the way we would have scripted it. But again, it's the way when we look back, we will say, God, you did all things well. Right. And why didn't I trust you? Why did I, why did I spend so much of my life bucking hmm. your will and your plans and resenting and resisting and running from the very things that you wanted to use to be a blessing in my life? And this is what happens as we learn to identify and reject the lies and receive the truth and let it soak into our hearts, our minds, our systems, and then begin to act on the truth. It really does set us free. Amen. Sister, that is a good way to end our time together. And just again, reiterating that believing God is a decision we have to make. Like it's a choice. It's a conscious choice that, Lord, in this circumstance, I am going to believe the truth that you are good. And if I looked at the circumstance through the lens of knowing that you're good and your goodness does not change, how would I see this circumstance differently? Right. So we'll end on that note. It has been such a pleasure. I could just talk with you for hours, but I know you have other demands on your time, but I'm so grateful for this time together, Nancy, and for who you are, the way you've lived your life. And we were talking a little bit earlier. Um, I can count on less than one hand the, the Christian women that I think have really stayed true to the truth of the word of God. And you are one of those women. And so I'm so, so, so grateful for that. Tell our listeners real quickly how they can uh, find more information about what you're up to these days. I know you just released a book called Adorned, Living Out the Beauty of the Gospel Together. Where, where can women find more information on all the things you're up to? 
Well, thank you, Lisa. And, and I, this has been really a joy to connect with you. I, I love your heart. I love your love for God's word. And um, I, I feel like a sister, a close sister to you already. You're just stuck with me now. Conversation. I'm so <laughs> thankful. And we actually don't live that far I from know. each other. So let's, let's get together. I would love it. Um, revive our hearts. Reviveourhearts.com. That's where all these resources are. And by the way, um, the Lies Women Believe book has a study guide that goes with it. So get a group together. Yes. Um, it's, this is sisterhood. It's getting with other women, younger and older, different seasons of life to help us think through um, how we live, how we're thinking, what God is doing in our lives. We need each other. And uh, this book, Lies Women Believe, and also the Adorned book, which is a uh, journey. It's a um, like long full length book on three verses in Titus chapter two about what it means to be how older and younger women can interface in each other's lives. And when I started writing that book, I was a younger woman. I was single. When I finished it, I was an older woman and (laughs) um, married. And so I've seen, I'm seeing how these principles from God's word apply in every season of life. But we have a daily broadcast for women at podcast or radio um, called Revive Our Hearts. And that's available at that website. Um, we have a blog called the true woman blog and lots of different women in different seasons of life who are blogging on things that will, um, help us experience greater freedom and fullness and fruitfulness in Christ. We have events. We have a true woman conference coming up the end of September in, um, Indianapolis and we're, the the discounted registration, um, price is available till May 1. That information is at reviveourhearts.com. We'll have six or 7,000 women there uh, with other speakers on this very topic, the truth that sets us free. That's going to be a powerful conference, but our, you know, our goal is just what you're doing, Lisa, there at your ministry, Park Community Church, and through this podcast is to um, uh, just help each other walk in grace, walk in fullness, walk in the Word of God. And um, it's not like we're the people who found it and we got it all together and we're telling others how to find Mm -hmm. it. We're in this together. We're in this journey together. And so I hope that some of your listeners will come along and let us encourage you. uh, Let us um, help breathe life into maybe a tired, um, spirit as others are doing for you and for me day after day. I'm so grateful for that. And that's, that's what we want to be there to do for other women. So thanks so much. Love this opportunity to connect with you. So grateful. So great. And I can picture myself packing my car and having a caravan behind me to, to come to the September event. So listeners really encourage you to check out all that is available to you to help you grow and mature as a woman following Jesus and really to flourish and have that abundant life that Christ came to give us. It's been great being with you. Thanks for tuning in and looking forward to having you tune in next time around.